Welcome to the SCD-Specific Carbohydrate Diet Podcast. If something has been eating at you or eating at your gut, then I have good news for you. The Specific Carbohydrate Diet, also known as the SCD, has helped countless people with a wide variety of health issues improve their quality of life. It's also a great way to eat if you just want to go grain-free or stay away from processed foods. Here, you'll find interviews with SCD experts as well as everyday people who actively follow the program, and you'll get tips to help you enjoy living the SCD, including resources, recipes, and more. I'm your host, Lee Bernstein. I live with gut issues. I live with autoimmune issues. And after trying many nutrition protocols, I found that the SCD is what works for me. If that's the same for you, or if you're looking to find out if it is, then let's enjoy living SCD together. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. Nothing on this show is ever medical advice. I'm just someone who's thankful that the specific carbohydrate diet works. I'm thankful that it's given me my life back, and I'm especially thankful and excited about being here with you today. So if you're ready, let's begin. Hello and welcome to Episode 1 of the SCD-Specific Carbohydrate Diet Podcast. I'm Lee, and for a long time, I've been wishing for a podcast that focused specifically on the specific carbohydrate diet, that talked about how it helps people feel better by eating foods that are delicious, nutritious, easy to digest. Many of the people who follow SCD have gastrointestinal issues, but As you'll see in today's show, SCD has helped people with many different diseases. It's also helped children with autism. I kept hoping that someone would make a show like this, and then I realized that if I wanted one, maybe I should just quit talking about it and do it myself. I am far from an SCD expert. I'm just someone who is in love with and is grateful for the specific carbohydrate diet every day. I have gut issues, a few of them including severe gluten sensitivity. I also have autoimmune issues, a few of them, including Sjogren's disease. And following SCD helps me feel good almost every day. I can go through every day as a normal person, and that's not the easiest thing to do when your gut doesn't want to go along with you. Before trying SCD, I was, oh, oh, so sick. Uh, joint pain, swelling, bloating, brain fog, skin lesions, stomach pain. I had neuropathy so bad. and It was chronic. I could barely walk. Uh, At one point, they were looking at testing me to see if I had multiple sclerosis. When I learned I had gluten sensitivity, I began to eat gluten-free. And while that helped me, it did not do it all. Not at all. I continued to have very challenging issues so severe that sometimes I couldn't leave the house because I couldn't be away from a bathroom that long. And when I did go out, I needed to chart my course and know where every bathroom was located. Every day was a challenge, and I couldn't figure out why, because I was eating. It took me a while to learn how to eat very, very responsibly gluten-free, because it's easy to mess that up too. But I finally got that down, and even though I was doing all the right things, For some reason, my gut would still disagree with me out of the blue, and I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And after much trial and error, including including trying many other diet protocols, I landed on SCD. It worked, 
But then I tried some other things again and had problems, went back to SCD, and finally learned that that is what my body wants. You know, everybody's different, but that is what my body wanted, and that is what has worked for me and absolutely changed my life. So that's just a little bit about what I went through. You might learn a little more about me in future episodes, but for now, I just want to let you know that my mission here is to join with you in learning about how SCD and enjoying foods that can help us improve our health and our life can work and can be fun. And I can't wait to get started. Before we get into the interview, I have a favor to ask of you. If you've had good results by following the specific carbohydrate diet, or if you know someone who has, I would love to consider interviewing you or them on this show. If you have any suggestions, or if you just want to tell your story, a lot of people would like to hear it, and you might help a lot of people. You probably will. Then please email me at, I'll say it first, and then I'll spell it out for you, Lee Bernstein at scdforme.com. That's L-E-E-B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N at scdforme.com. I can't wait to hear from you, and I really need your help. So please, don't think about it. Just email me. Just do it. Thank you. I, I appreciate it so much. Uh, I should probably also touch base a little bit on what I'm planning to do with the podcast. Right now, I am looking at releasing a show once a month, although I hope that will change very quickly. My goal is to have it once a week. I'd like to get it to at least once every other week, but I don't want to promise more than I can deliver. I'm anal about meeting deadlines. I'm anal about follow through, and I want to make sure that whatever I say I'm going to do for you, I do. My husband and I just bought a home in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Right now we live outside of Chicago in Northwest Indiana. And as soon as the world opens up to where it's safe for us to travel, we're going to be moving and there's going to be a lot to do. I'll also still be doing my day job remotely. So I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. I would rather underpromise and overdeliver. You'll want to make sure that you are notified of when the podcasts air. You can go to my website, SCD for me. Dot com, And there's a box at the bottom where you can sign up for notifications. You can also go to Facebook. The page is the SCD Specific Carbohydrate Diet. Or just subscribe on your favorite podcast app and be notified that way. I look forward to seeing you there. Of course, if you do like the show, give it a good review. That's really going to help other people that need the SCD diet to find us. So, all of that said, and thank you for your patience, that was a lot to go through. What exactly is the specific carbohydrate diet? How does it help people? Today, we're going to learn the answer from a highly respected member of the SCD community and someone who I'm proud to call my friend. He's Jeffrey Berger, the founder and executive director of the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Association. Jeff started having gastrointestinal issues when he was only two weeks old. And then at age 18, and this was in 1980, he learned that he had Crohn's disease. Now, not a lot was known about treating Crohn's back then, 
But one thing Jeffrey was learning was that the foods that he ate had a very, very strong impact on his whole body and how he felt from day to day. Okay, now, fast forward to 1995. Jeffrey discovered the book, Breaking the Vicious Cycle, Intestinal Health Through Diet by Elaine Gottschall. If you have heard of this book and you own a copy and you've read it, good for you. If you haven't, make note of the title because you're going to be hearing a reference to it a lot. And absolutely everyone who is serious about learning about the specific carbohydrate diet program must read this book. There's a lot of information on the internet about SCD. Some of it good, some of it not so good. Always go to the source. This is the book that started it all. This is where you're going to get your answers. And then you can always expand by asking more questions thereafter. Again, the name of it. And you can find it in almost all libraries. Amazon has it. Any bookstore can get it for you if they don't have it in stock. It's Breaking the Vicious Cycle, Intestinal Health Through Diet by Elaine Gottschall. And we'll talk more about how to get to the website that supports that book during the show. So Jeffrey was very lucky, very fortunate to get to know Elaine Gottschall. And the two of them established quite a wonderful friendship and rapport. As you'll hear today, the life-changing help that he received from Elaine went on to inspire him to put together a board of directors which formed the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Association. The SCD Association oversees a number of Facebook communities. You want to see the show notes for the links to those with a mission of letting everyone around the world know that they're not alone in following SCD. Jeffrey holds a Bachelor's of Science in Health Services Administration and Long-Term Care Administration. He's spent over 35 years as a professional in the healthcare industry in many roles, from executive to working as a consultant in the human resource field throughout most of the world. And it's with great pleasure that I have this interview with him today. Hello, Jeffrey, and welcome to the SCD-specific carbohydrate podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. I This is our first podcast, and I, I couldn't be more delighted to be talking to you today. Everyone, just so you know, I consider Jeffrey a friend. I first got to know him a few years ago on a Facebook page called Breaking the Vicious Cycle, SCD Community. And Jeffrey, I hope I have that right. He's been a godsend to so many people, and I'm really looking forward to his telling you more about it. So welcome, Jeffrey. Welcome, Lee. Thank you so much for having me. It's really great to hear your voice. Um, It's always wonderful to be in touch with you. How are things going for you? Right now, it is June 28th. This will air sometime in July, so we're still in the middle of a lot of COVID stuff. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Just... uh being safe in what I do in my everyday life, as well as my uh, close friends and family. That's good. So you're able to keep in contact with everybody? Yeah, keeping contact with the virtual world helps a lot. And uh, being close by to my family helps me address any issues that they have. Well, before we get more into you, for those people that are just starting out with the specific carbohydrate diet, also known as SCD, or for those that don't even know anything about it, why don't you take a few minutes and, of course, it might take more than a couple of minutes, but 
explain a little bit about what SCD is and, and what it does for people. The premise of this specific carbohydrate diet is based on the gastrointestinal system and the inadequacies for whatever reason, whether it be uh, genetic, environmental, clinical, or any other issues that come up that can affect our bodies. It's the premise of the diet is that there is bacterial overgrowth in the GI tract that leads to inflammation. And the design of the listed foods for the specific carbohydrate diet help create a healthy environment for moving from a bacterial digestive system to a healthy digestive system. So instead of feeding the bacterial overgrowth, it stops feeding the bacterial overgrowth, which hopefully leads to the decrease in inflammation or actually the inflammation, inflammation leaving uh, the body over time. So the, the microbiome, our healthy microbiome that we need to have on our gut, and it helps us get rid of the bad guys that help that make us feel bad, in other words. Sure, sure. I mean, it's you're, you're constantly feeding the bad guys with the standard American diet uh, through the heavy use of sugar and processed and manufactured foods and the chemical additives that are added to that. Removing those types of foods and adding in healthy, nutritious, easily digestible monosaccharide foods or simple sugars will not continue to feed the bacterial overgrowth. And for that, the inflammation begins to decrease and the healing begins. So the foods that are allowed and disallowed on the specific carbohydrate diet, and people can find that out by going to Breaking the Vicious Cycle. Is that .com or .org? Actually, it's uh, breakingthevicioucycle.info. I-N-F-O. Thank it's also, you. you. It's also, you can now find it under specificcarbohydratediet.com. Okay, and I'll make sure I put that in the podcast notes for everyone. So there you can go and you can see the foods that are allowed and disallowed on the program. But very simply, um, it's meats, non-starchy vegetables. What else? Honey is allowed if it's natural honey. What else is there? I always say if it's a food that doesn't contain or doesn't have an ingredient label, there's a very good chance that it is something that's acceptable on the diet. So very natural whole foods. Uh, natural whole foods or just natural foods that do not contain any ingredient label. It hasn't been processed or manufactured. Um, and, and so that actually removes any grains that actually have been processed. But it is a detailed uh, scientific way of looking at the chemical structures of the food and finding out the monosaccharide, disaccharide, polysaccharide um, difference and that they have discovered early on back in the, um, in the 50s and earlier was that the monosaccharide foods are simple sugars that do not continue to be food for the bacterial overgrowth. And that was Dr. Sidney Haas, correct? That originally came out with that theory. Yes. And in fact, in the early 1900s was the discovery of celiac disease. And so Dr. Sidney Haas did an experiment with children 
by finding that giving them uh, simple sugars and uh, simple foods uh, actually decreased the inflammation and brought back the microvilli for the children. And he found that bananas uh, were actually the easiest food to digest considering they're 76% water and the rest of it is made up in electrolytes. And so it was originally used as a banana diet and having the children eat a few bananas each day to give them the electrolytes and nutrition that they needed. And by doing so did not cause a lot of digestion in the GI tract. So it allowed for healing to happen a little bit more faster than to eat foods that may take a long time for the body to break down and absorb. Uh, and that was the bare bones, really miraculous bare bones discovery that led to Elaine Gottschall. Then um, eventually she writes the book, Breaking the Vicious Cycle. But her daughter had, I believe it was Crohn's disease. And uh, actually, they uh, he wrote his first book in 1951 called The Management of Celiac Disease by Dr. Sidney Haas and his, and his uh, son, Elaine uh, Gottschall and her husband, uh, Herb met Dr. Haas in New York City by chance, um, and he was already uh, in his late 80s, beginning to be 90. And uh, she has she was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, and she had issues with uh, sleeping behaviors and uh, emotional status because her gut was so um, so sore and with the illness and disease of ulcerative colitis. Colitis, so, that's right, that's right, okay. He, he used to write her write Elaine notes about food to take, and she went home and she had all these notes, and she, her daughter miraculously turned around by following these, these foods that he would say to eat, but there was nothing in writing. And um, so she formalized it uh, by going back to school. Her husband encouraged her to go back to school because her daughter was doing so well, and they both looked at each other and said, well, you know, this is awesome that it's working, but we've got to figure out why. And uh, so she did go back to school. She wrote her first book in 1987 called The Gut Reaction. And uh, she was very excited and continued on for her schooling. And then in 1994, came out with the book, Breaking the Vicious Cycle, Guide to Intestinal Health. What was her diploma in? She had a, um, a degree in uh, biology and a master's in biochemistry. That is amazing that her daughter had done so incredibly well that the mom decides she's going to help, help herself and help her daughter by figuring out why it worked, but also help the world. So she really, really went above and beyond to learn all of the stuff so she could understand the science behind it. And then of course, like you said, she came to write these two books, the most prevalent one now being uh, Breaking the Vicious Cycle. So where did it go from there? Once she had the, the new book, um, she continued, she started doing book tours. She and her husband got together and said, you know, I can go on and do my PhD in biochemistry. Or with the time I have left on this earth, I would like to go out and tell people about the diet and the success and effectiveness 
that it can bring to people with Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, celiac, and a number of other uh, diseases. In fact, the way she ended it with was finding out that there was a connection with autism and the people with autism tend to have GI issues and the, the diet actually helped bring uh, some uh, some remission or, or healing to those with autism as well. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's, and, you know, we talked about um, colitis. We talked about celiac disease. They have found that people are greatly helped that have diverticulitis, that have Crohn's disease. You're one of those. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, what else is there? There's really anything that concerns irritable bowel disease or irritable bowel syndrome, people are finding, a lot of people are finding that this helps them. Well, actually, we're into uh, our eighth survey of the community, and the core are from Crohn's disease and um, ulcerative colitis and irritable bowel disease, but it also is involved with endless amounts of autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. uh, we have people that are following it for cancer, cystic fibrosis, mm -hmm. Alzheimer's. Uh, it, the diagnosis is not necessarily the focus as much as the need to heal naturally by the foods that you consume. And that food is medicine. And that yes. was where I started this whole focus, was learning that the food that I was uh, consuming actually had every direct effect on my body, mind, and soul. Um, it's interesting that you're saying so many people, and I, I think it's going to continue to expand, are finding help with a lot of different health issues. Inflammation has so much to do with it. And if you're able to reduce inflammation in your body, everything from arthritis to... I, I, have Sjogren's disease, which is an autoimmune disorder. And I find that I can live like a normal person if I'm following SCD. Let's talk about how you got to where you could live more like a normal person. How did you find out about the specific carbohydrate diet? What's the history there? Well, actually, I was, I've been living with um, GI disease for my entire life. And it wasn't until I um, graduated from college was I uh, officially diagnosed. Um, I was diagnosed earlier, um, but I had, I knew that there was a connection between my food consumption and the disease process. And it wasn't until I uh, met Elaine Gotchel in 1995 when she was on her book tour uh, did she bring it all into place and um, complete understanding with common sense what we what we put in our bodies is what's out and if we put energy in, you know, then we're going to get good energy out. If we don't put foods in that are going to bring us good energy um, over the long term and it's not feeding our disease, you know, then we're doing well. So actually, she put the equation together. I knew that there was something to do with my food consumption and i had followed uh the atkins diet and and the mediterranean diet early on 
And I did the candida diet, knowing that sugar was my addiction. Um, but she put it all together, and it was the power of the food industry that was, in some ways, dictating the food that we consume, mm. which was making us sick. Mm. And uh, it wasn't until I broke my sugar addiction that you know the healing continued to be you know to happen. Uh, how, did you, how did you break your sugar addiction? Just to interrupt for a second, because that's a tough one for a lot of people. I struggle with it every day. Um, <laughs> it is it's it's very it's it's very hard. Um, I have many many stories to tell about how it ha- how I put it together. But when I was when I was very young back in the eighties, I I was told I had a yeast infection. And the yeast, inf- and I, I was like, well, wait a minute, I'm a guy, I don't have a yeast infection. And the doctor said, well, no, it's actually in your GI tract. And I was like, what? No one's ever talked about that stuff before. So I went to the library, you know, and, and a couple of medical libraries, and I couldn't find anything about yeast infection for men. But what I realized, what she was telling me was, it was a candida overgrowth. And it didn't dawn on me until... Um, you know, my unusual story is when I was uh, following uh, a woman in the supermarket on the checkout line, and it, it appeared to me that she was going through her uh, her menstrual cycle, and and she had uh, you know sanitary napkins, and she had her cranberry juice, which was you know loaded with sugar, and she had her five pound bag of M and M's, <laughs> and it dawned on me at that time that. During the menstrual cycle, there's a chance for a yeast imbalance for women. And I also noticed that I, too, was going through a cycle, but it was with the yeast. And in order for the yeast to stay alive, they need sugar. Yes. And so that's where and I finally put the connection together that it didn't have to be a woman's issue of yeast infection. It actually was a candida issue amongst the entire population because when I began to notice those who drink alcohol tend to actually crave sugar after because alcohol is mostly yeast-based. Oh, yeah. And the cravings to feed that yeast to stay alive is to eat the sugar. But also, I noticed that when people ate uh, a lot of bread or a lot of pasta, always had a savory, sweet uh, dessert after because the yeast was actually telling the brain, we need sugar to stay alive, so feed us. So there, the yeast infection from my doctor back in the 80s was really telling me that it was a candida overgrowth. And I did go on the candida diet uh, for, for three months and completely was healed. However, I was still eating some processed foods. So I knew that there was a connection. I knew that there was a connection when I um, went on bowel rest in the hospital for 14 days and didn't eat anything and was fed by IV. And my inflammation was gone and my disease went into remission. And so bowel rest, according to the National Institutes of Health, is listed as a standard protocol for those with GI disease. What I found was that it's not used very often because they think that 
they, being the medical community, thinks that people, you know, would get hungry. So instead of helping them heal their disease by stopping the uh, processing the nutrition in their body uh, through the GI tract, um, they just don't necessarily choose that as one of the options, and they go right into the medications, unfortunately. So instead of trying something so easy as stopping the food by feeding uh, nutrition by IV or stopping the feeding and happening through uh, processed foods and sugars that are going to feed the bacterial overgrowth and lead to the inflammation, it's a matter of let's treat medication or surgery. And um, they tend to skip a step, that's all. Uh, Yes. So this hospitalization that you're referring to, was that before you met Elaine or after? That was that was before. Okay, so then that's part of the process where you were learning that the foods that you were eating did have a direct impact on the way that you were feeling. So let's go back then, because I interrupted you, but that was great about about sugar and especially about, um, you know, I never know if it's pronounced candida, candida, uh, the way you pronounced it, but everyone knows what we're talking about. Hopefully, it's it's just a yeast overgrowth. A lot of men don't realize that it can be a male problem, too. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Let's go back to then. You were talking to Elaine. She started guiding you in the foods that you should be eating and explaining why. Take it from there. Well, she she was very charismatic. I mean, and, and common sense was that the <clears throat> grain industry, uh, corn industry, were all getting help to produce excessive amounts of foods that were actually causing people issues and and uh they were marketing it to us about cereals and and trying this and this helps this and and they were getting subsidies and grants to do this and um her biggest thing was stop listening to anything that's advertised on tv because it's not good for you Um, (laughs) But it was it was putting the connection together that the sugar that we were eating, the processed foods, um, the distrust of our food manufacturers that hide inactive ingredients in there or processing aids that are not listed, the great lobbying that's done by the food industry to not protect the health of the of the population but to look at the profits of their pockets, in their pockets. And uh, so when I left, I mean, by the time I found Elaine, I was very, very sick. Um, and this this is not uncommon for people that find the diet. It just, it was coincidental that I, I saw an ad for her um, at the school. And, um, you know, I started, I, I, the only word that I didn't like her saying that I had issues with was the word fanatic, because I've never been a fanatic about anything in my life. And she said, the only way to do it is to be a fanatic, 100%, go for it. But if you start adding in foods that are not acceptable on the list, you're just going to continually feed the disease and the bacterial overgrowth. So you have to be a fanatic. And it took me a few days to do some introspection and to pull myself through by saying, 
this is the only thing I can do. It's either that or living off of a steroid all, all my life. <clears throat> and the steroid to this day is still causing me side effects. But wow. um, so I, I went home and um, my living situation was not conducive for the diet, but I did it anyway. And I had to realize I need to do it for myself because I can't face um, being sick every day. Um, and within a few weeks, uh, actually within a few days to a few weeks, I started to feel better. I actually started to feel like things were being healed. And um, I continued, you know, the, the diet. Yes. Um, it was just every day was a new thing. And every day that I had a positive experience was the energy to keep on going. Yes. And then once you started feeling better, which you said was pretty early on, did you reach a point where you thought, ah, you know what, I'm just going to fudge it a little and have a little bit of this or a little bit of that that's really not on SCD? Or did it take you a long time to get to that point? Or did you get to that point at all? I did get to that point, and it was uh, peer pressure. It was uh, Valentine's Day, um, and my uh, friends um, and partner um, encouraged me to have some food that I knew would make me sick. And I, as much as I told them I wouldn't, it was a lot of peer pressure, and I did have something that I wasn't supposed to eat on, on the specific carbohydrate diet. And I got very, very sick. And um, within four months, I filed for separation and divorce, knowing that in order for me to um, be successful on the diet, I needed to remove myself from my uh, relationship and we need to remove myself from the environment that was causing me peer pressure to go against what I felt was right. And it, um, it brought me into a greater feeling of self, of self-respect, self-worth, self-esteem, um, self-motivation, self-discipline. And I was finally able to get the courage and need um, to heal myself and not to let any barriers stand in my way for me to achieve the best health and the best quality of life possible. It's interesting how life will throw things at us sometimes where we're meant to kind of learn the direction that we need to be taking and we might not be seeing it because it just hasn't been that looming that large in front of us. But in this case, Life decided, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, to, to put this in front of you to make you realize that you needed to make changes in your life, probably above and beyond following the SCD diet. You just maybe didn't see it all. This, this gave you a lot of clarity where that was concerned. What I've noticed in my, in my life experience is that when couples are are um, affected by crisis, they either, it either brings them closer together as a couple or it tears them apart. Mm -hmm. And I felt that in, in this way, it didn't tear us apart. We just grew apart. 
our, our focus would never be able to be the same. And I could not live a, a life of being an actor, hiding my invisible disease. And I had to actually go out and, and take this over because I wanted to, you know, obviously I wanted to live my life to the longest I could, another 70, 80 years. And so I made the choice, either I can continue down a path of uh, frailty and, and, and uncertainty, or I can uh, walk out and make my own path and, and do it on my own. And so actually, I was very fortunate to be able to stay in phone contact with Elaine um, and use a calling card back in the 90s um, to call her at her residence and ask her questions. And, wow. um, you know, I, I had a very strong personal mentor and professional mentor that brought me to realize that, you know, you, you have to look out for yourself. You can give all of your time and need to people. And it's important that you actually get get something back to restore your own energy and your own health. And um, it just wasn't the right situation. And I find that for other people, they find the specific carbohydrate diet, not when they're well. It's rare that people would start the specific carbohydrate diet because they are healthy and they don't have any particular disease. So by the time people do find the diet, uh, they have gotten the doom and gloom story from the medical community, you know, about there's nothing to do for you except give you medication that may or may not work and, you know, just keep on removing intestine until you don't have any, any left. And so you really don't, you know, you really have to take it upon yourself to find the diet and make the commitment. And that's when Elaine, I keep on going back to it even as long, you know, as long as I have been on the diet 25 years is, you know, to be a fanatic. <laughs> it's to be a fanatic and to focus. So, well, I, I can tell you in 25 years, have I gone off? Yes. It's, it's, uh, are you there? I'm here. Okay. It's uh, amnesia, you know, where you kind of forget that you actually have the disease yeah. and you yeah. feel so well. Or it's, I'll have a little bit of this and hopefully it won't hurt me. And every time that I, given the situation, um, tried something that was not permitted on the diet, which was usually sugar, um, you know, it, it took me into a spiral. And what I realized is, is that I can keep on bouncing back and forth between sick and not sick or a healthy system and a bacterial digestive system, but I'm causing myself more harm in the long term. And so I either go full on the diet, which I, which I do, or I cheat. And it's not really cheating because you're actually just knowingly feeding the disease again. And so some people will say, well, I don't feel any symptoms. But what I do learn is that by the time you feel the symptoms, it's already too late and the damage is being done. Mm -hmm. So even for those with celiac disease, you know, we don't have a window to our GI tract. We can't look in and see if the microvilli are living or not living. We can't go in and see if there's inflammation or not. And we can't always use the symptoms as a good gauge to know what's going on with our disease process because we can't see it. 
And that because is something can't. that's one point. I'm, I'm just going to say that when you mentioned celiac disease, there are a number of people that have celiac disease that are non-reactive. In other words, if they accidentally ingest gluten or if they just decide to have a whole piece of toast, they go on through the rest of their day feeling absolutely fine, not realizing that they're doing that damage to the inside of their body. So uh, sometimes it never even shows at all with some people. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that was no. such a good point you made. No, I mean, it happens. I mean, it happens for anything. I mean, even cancer. I mean, cancer is an invisible disease if it's internal, you know, if you're not having skin cancer. If you have cancer, it's you don't know that you have it until you have a symptom or until you have, you know, some type of uh, preventative uh, um, uh, procedure to see if you have it. But if you're not checking for it, you don't know you have it. Right. And so anyway, with the with my Crohn's disease, you know, I, I can feel a reaction immediately. And it's no joke. And sometimes it was, well, I know I'll be sick for the next few days, but I want to do I want to have, you know, X, Y, Z. And I planned that I would be sick the next few days. But what happens is sometimes those few days that you think it's going to be sick end up to be weeks and sometimes they're months. And then you're thinking to yourself, you know, was it really worth that moment in time to be sick as long as I am and potentially being on medication, potentially needing surgery, potentially getting sick, potentially getting a secondary disease, you know, and, and down the line. So it was a wake up call every time I did it. You know, just uh, for the listeners, for them to know, and we'll be talking about this in future episodes as well. Well, the specific carbohydrate diet is very restrictive. It's also very allowing in that there are things that you can have where you can still make desserts and you can still have wonderful gourmet meals and you can figure out ways even to once you have had some experience and you know what to look for and the right questions to ask, even go to restaurants. So not everyone has the easiest time going to restaurants, but it is a little bit of a learning curve. So as Jeffrey is talking about all of this, there are ways that you can still eat every day and absolutely love and enjoy your food and um, and feel good at the same time. Wouldn't you agree, Jeffrey? I do. I do. And I, but I, I will say that I never use the word restri restrictive. I never use the word limiting. I never use the word expensive because to me, it's just a way of life. And so I don't feel in 25 years of following the specific carbohydrate diet, I never felt restricted in the foods that I could eat. And I never felt they were limited. But if I wanted to put the mindset of seeing it as a negative and that I am restricted, you know, then to me, that's it's actually causing me harm to be able to look at that in my personal mindset. But everyone, you know, everyone's different. Just personally, I try to look at the positive like, wow, I can eat all of these foods, mm -hmm. some yeah, foods yeah. I never even had before. Because why? Because it just didn't fit in my family's dinner or meal plan. But rather, I've discovered new foods that I never had before because my mommy or daddy never made it for me. But what I found was that some of these foods that I never had were actually better for me. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, dates 
are are something that um, you know I, I my parents would never eat a date or a prune, and yet for me I think that they're like delicious. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if I never looked at the other foods that I never was raised on, then I would feel that I'm only limited as to the foods that I actually were brought up with, and and I think in that way it's not reinventing what you're missing. It's appreciating yes. what you have. Yes, that was that was so well put. So well put. You mentioned dates. I, once I, when I'm away from sugar, if you gave me the choice between a medjool date and a Snickers bar, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, I would take the medjool date. They are so delicious and they're so satisfying when you're really craving something sweet. But I digress. I want to get back to you again because. Now, first of all, how long have you been in remission? Um, when I went back and I looked over the last 25 years, I counted 20 years that I was in asymptomatic or in remission status. Asymptomatic meaning I was without symptoms and in clinical remission, meaning that my blood results and lab results were all normal. Uh, and that was 20 out of the last 25 years. Wow. Part of those five years, one was I had a surgery. I had a back-to-back um, -back bowel resection to remove the disease areas, the scar tissue, stricture, fistulas, um, that I chose to do, and I did it at um, um, at the after having the disease for close to 22 years, I um, I decided to have surgery to remove the areas that that were just not good to me anymore mm -hmm. that I could not heal because of being raised. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, having the disease for as long as I did in childhood and finally having my first surgery at the age of 41, um, it was to remove it, to have a good foundation to build on with the diet. And ever since then, um, I've been able to work with good tissue and um, and a good foundation to build off of and you know, that was uh, 17 years ago. Here we are in 2020. Um, and, I, you know, I never looked back that it was something that I wouldn't have done. It was important that people realize that you can only do so much by yourself. And, and there are times where medical intervention is needed. Yes. Uh, it, whether it, you know, you receive enough recommendations and opinions from the medical community. Um, but there are there is a time and a place for medication, either as a Band-Aid or something short term uh, to correct itself, to give you that boost or to have surgery to remove the disease in the diseased area in scar tissue that chances are will never heal um, and, and build on something new again. And it's it's not uh, a regret. It's not a failure. Um, it's not something that you had any control over. I always share with people that we only know what we know and we can't hurt ourselves for not knowing any better. Yes. And uh, it's to accept that 
you know, there's a process and you have to come to come to the realization that as much as you get angry, as much as you deny, as much as you bargain with the disease, as much as you feel the depression, you have to accept that this is what we have, whether or not it was a clinical impact, whether it was environmental, whether or not it was genetic. It's something that you live with for the rest of your life. And you can heal it, but you can't go back to the way you were always eating again. In fact, Elaine always said that for those that have issues with the diet and they complain and discouraged and it's a failure and it's not working for me, she said, you know, you can always go back to the way you were eating that made you sick in the first place. So, you know, it was important for her and her approach, and that's the way I try to approach it is. You know, here's what's available for you. If you have challenges or if you feel conc- uh, that you can't achieve it, then go back to the way you eat. Um, no one's holding you down. Removing yeah. sugar and grains um, that are addicting is is a huge process. And if you don't have enough support to do that, if you don't have the thought process and mindset to get there, then medical intervention probably is your best option because to live with the, without doing anything is only going to cause further damage until you don't have any intestine left. Well said. Now, you were very inspired by everything that Elaine did to help you, and you then used that to turn it around, and you made the decision at one point to go on to help countless other people. Tell us a little bit about that. I've always been a, a caregiver, um, even to, uh, in my first uh, role as a, as a nursing assistant um, when I was 16. I've always uh, worked in the healthcare field, and I've always uh, given from my heart and in my professional career all around the world. Um, something inspired me to go on to the internet and start searching the diet. And, um, and I couldn't really find anything that uh, talked about the specific carbohydrate diet in a positive way. But what I did notice was there were some people that have done it for many years, but have left their website or left their um, support groups um, because they were aging or because they just, you know, it was time for them to move on. And so I went on Facebook and I, I started a, a group, uh, Breaking the Vicious Cycle SCD Community. And I didn't realize that my life experience was education for another person. And so I continued to build a Facebook community based on the specific carbohydrate diet is our common bond, but there's so much more to our lives to discuss. And that one, one person's life experience is another's best education. And so let's learn from each other by sharing our life stories, by sharing how we worked with a specific carbohydrate diet and how we can help each other around the world. So the group right now, um, has over 120 countries that are represented in the Facebook community. Wow. 
Um, it's important that we deal and work with different cultural issues. Um, you know, there's there's religious issues, there's different eating cultures or behaviors uh, that people follow. And we all come together as one. And part of what happened with that with that one group, and I, I actually have, uh, I built out six more groups, um, one specifically for autism and one specifically for clinicians. It was to, everyone said, you know, Jeffrey, it sounds really good that we're all meeting in the virtual world, but let's meet in person. It'd be so good to have like an SCD party. So <laughs> can you organize something to bring us all together? And so I thought about it, and a couple of years ago, I, I made an effort, and I kept on realizing that the more I was putting into it, the more excitement was happening. And so I created a nonprofit, 501c3, here in the United States called the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Association, and brought on a great board of people, including Judy Herity Lane's daughter. Um, Raman Prasad, Pamela Farrow, Kathy Malone, uh, to help um, bring and begin as founding board members to not only create a way for people to get together, but to promote the further awareness of the diet around the world and any research that we can provide to the medical community and to people around the world to show the effectiveness of the specific carbohydrate diet and hopefully changing the minds of the medical community that diet does have an impact. What you do put in your body, food or fluid, has a direct impact on your digestive system, has a direct impact on your brain function, and has a direct impact on all of your uh, well-being. And so the specific carbohydrate diet was started in, in uh, two years ago in, in 2018. The association, the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Association. Yes, has, has, yeah. has started uh, two years ago in 2018. And what I realized also, and the main focus of the association is the people that have been putting in their blood and sweat and tears over the last 20 years, 30 years of promoting and sharing and providing the support we're now getting older. Mm -hmm. And so the teachers of today are getting older. And it's important that the teachers teach the students who will become our teachers of the future. And so what I noticed was is that the teachers that were that were helping back in the 90s, 2000, 2010, and on were actually just continually getting older and they wanted to pass their information, the archives, the legacy onto somebody else. And that somebody else is the specific carbohydrate diet association. It's, it's the clearinghouse of all information for the specific carbohydrate diet. And it's to bring the information of the teachers of today and compile their, their data into the archives or into active information so that the students today can be our teachers of tomorrow. 
if someone wants to find the um, Specific Carbohydrate Diet Association, how do they do so? You can find it at specificcarbohydratedietassociation.org or scdassociation.org. Great. And so the the this was the basis for the for breaking it from the virtual world into reality. And so in 2018, we held our first conference um, that you were a part of, which was awesome. It was wonderful. And, uh, you know, it was a two-day event, or it is a two-day event, uh, bringing together clinicians, uh, the medical community, the followers, caregivers, supporters, the companies that provide goods and services to us, and people from the general public that have not followed the diet that would like to learn more about it. And then you had a second session last year in 2019 right because of the success of 2018 we had it in uh 2019 uh we had a second conference we brought in again um some of the medical leaders and experts in the field of gastroenterology and nutrition and uh different facets of the um uh, community as well as again the followers supporters caregivers. And uh, we had some uh, very good sessions during the weekend. And also we provided food for everyone that was all specific carbohydrate diet, uh, met the requirements for the specific carbohydrate diet. Yeah. And the speakers were outstanding. Uh, people People can actually hear those presentations, can they not? Sure. So what we were able to do for the first time ever was to create an SCD video library, which is over 17 hours of presentations from the two conferences that you can find at the specific carbohydratedietassociation.org website under SCD video libraries. And each year that we hold a conference with the exception of 2020, we will populate the video presentations for people to look in one place everything you need to know about the specific carbohydrate diet. It's wonderful. It's so wonderful that you're doing that for people. It is nothing replaces being there in person. I can say that from someone who's had the opportunity to go. There's just an energy that you get. And being in a room full of your own people where everyone understands exactly where you're coming from is amazing. And yet for those who weren't able to attend, that information is priceless and they're able to go in and they're able to see it because of all the good work the association is doing which is wonderful it just goes above and beyond in in my mind so thank you for that and everyone i will be linking to this again in the podcast notes also to jeffrey's facebook pages and a lot of the resources that we've talked about in the show today jeffrey we're getting close to the end which is killing me because I could easily talk to you for a few more hours. I, it's my hope that you will be a regular guest on the show and you'll come back and you'll visit it again and again. I can ask you so many more questions and you're always so wealth of knowledge for people in all of the things that are going on in the SED community. These there, days. Is one, there is one thing I would like to share. Please. It began as a creation of the Facebook group 
because I filled out my name as the starter and the creator of the Breaking the Vicious Cycle SCD community. However, it is not my Facebook group. It's the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Association. Yes. And although and although I created it, it is not mine. Yes. And the also I wanted to make note in the community is that the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Association is not my company. It's a nonprofit. It is managed and owned by the board members that we have. And it's not any personal um, gratification or um, remuneration uh, from the association to keep it going. So that is, um, that's something I'm not sure if you wanted to talk about edit, but I do need to make it clear and get the message out there that the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Association manages all of the Facebook communities and they manage all of the activities of the association, including the conference, the support groups, the SCD survey, um, and any other uh, programs that we have, donations and things like that. It's all done by the specific type. Excellent. No, I'm really glad that you said that. And that will definitely stay in. There's no, no way I would edit that out. It's important that everyone knows it. Uh, before we leave, do you have... Any favorite tips on living SED every day that you'd like to share? Any little things that you do that make it even more of a joy for you than it is already? Every day I, when I wake up and open my eyes, I'm thankful. I'm thankful not for what I want to have, but what I do have. And each day I think of a new theory to figure out life's puzzle. And life's puzzle could be for my food consumption about why this happened, what happened, how, when, why, and try to work on theories and, and help yourself because we were not all born scientists. And we were not born with the thought process, always, if I do this, you know, I'll try this. And if it doesn't work, I'll try this. We don't always have the trial and error thought process in our minds. And so it is important for people to think, what did they do or what can they do to improve their well-being? And whether it is their environment change whether or not it's their access to medic, uh, the medical team, whether or not it's their food consumption, is to think of ways to improve yourself to be a better you and to look at the longevity of life rather than the instant gratification that you may feel today with a piece of candy. You, look ten, you need to look at the next 80 or 90 years of your life ahead or whatever life gives you ahead so that you can plan and have enough tools in your toolbox for later in life that you may need but practice what you can today to make yourself a better person not to everyone just to yourself first that's the important thing that's everything yeah quality of life is everything and 
not only have you discovered it, but you've helped so many other people discover it as well. And I cannot thank you enough, Jeffrey, for being on the show today. It's the best first episode I could hope for. And I hope that we talk again soon. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you thank for you. everything that you're doing. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for being here today. I would love to hear your comments, your thoughts, your suggestions for future shows. I have a new Facebook page just for that. You'll find it under the SCD, Specific Carbohydrate Diet Podcast. And I hope that after hearing Jeffrey Berger today that you will take time to go visit the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Association webpage. Again, it is at specificcarbohydratedietassociation.org. And if you've ever wanted to have more of a voice in the SCD community, once you get there, scroll about halfway down the page and you're going to see that there's a link to a survey that you can take. Now, this survey is open to people who follow SCD as well as caregivers supporters, anyone who's involved in the SED community, they would love you to be counted. Absolutely, everyone's going to learn from the results. Most importantly, the medical community is going to learn from the results. When you take this survey, it's confidential. There's no identifying information, no cookies. The survey was just launched on June 6th, 2020. I'm not sure how long it's going to run, so Please, please don't wait. Please get there. Get your voice counted. It's only going to take a couple of minutes for you to fill it out. I did it um, oh, a couple of weeks ago, and I felt so gratified that people were caring so much about my thoughts and my feelings. I'm sure that you'll feel the same way. In the meantime, I look forward to seeing you here again soon. Stay well. Remember, nothing here is medical advice. I'm not a doctor, but I would love to be your friend. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.